I stay down here? Can everybody see me if I stay down here? You can see me? All right, go ahead and be seated. I'll stay down here then. Because <laughs> I know if I go up there, I'll be running up and down the stairs, and I have on heels, and that wouldn't be good if I fell. You know what I'm saying? So anyhow, yes, you know, it's a new year. And so I decided I was going to do something new. Typically, I write my notes out. I know you can't believe that. I know how to type and all that stuff. But typically, I just write out because the Spirit of God usually gives me things really fast. And I write faster than I type. So I thought, okay, this is a new season. This is a new day. I want to be able to have these notes because I feel like God's saying some things definitely to my heart. So I'm going to put them in my little Word doc. And I'm going to save them in my computer and type these. So it's... You know, you'd like to blame everything on a computer. You know, it would be great to say, it was the computer, it was the devil. But it was me. I didn't save it right and I kept losing. (laughs) But glory be to God, I got it. Hallelujah. Most of all, I got it in here. Hallelujah. So I'm going to speak to you out of my heart. Got some notes also to go with it. But they're from the throne of God. How many of you are ready to receive? Glory to God. He gave me this title, New Day new way. It's a new season. It's a new day. And we're going to walk in a new way. God is going to lead us in some directions probably that we have not been before. But thank God if he's going to lead us from glory to glory to glory to glory. Now, when a new year begins, isn't it funny the things that people do? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm sure there's some of you that maybe you even sat down today and thought, okay, I'm going to write out my New Year's resolutions. So many people do that at the beginning of the year. And again, I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many of you at the beginning of the year have ever said, okay, I'm going to get this extra weight off. I'm going to join the gym. I will ask for a show of hands. Or perhaps you've even been through the Christmas season and so frustrated at how many pounds you may have packed on that you've even sat down and you've seen one of those ads and it's 1-800. I'm going to call Jenny. (laughs) We're going to get this done this year. Joined a gym, called Jenny, went and bought a self-help book. I'm going to learn how to do something new this year. Why do people do these things? Because a new year year brings fresh hope. It's like a clean slate and it's a time for new beginnings. Just the word new. I love this. The word new just literally means this starting over never used before changed for the better. And then I love this one rejuvenated. Hallelujah. How many of you could use some rejuvenation in 2011? Hallelujah. I declare it in 2011. He's reviving us. He's refreshing us. He's restoring what the enemy has stolen and he is rejuvenating us. We're not going into this year burnt out, worn out, thrown out. Hallelujah. We're going into this year rejuvenated by the power and the presence of God. And I want to commend you for coming tonight. You're starting off the year the best way possible in the word of God and in his presence. Hallelujah. That's what brings rejuvenation. That's what brings refreshing and reviving. Now, I'm not an idiot. I know that in 2010, there were some wonderful good things that happened. But
But there were also some bad things that happened. We could turn this into a top that trial testimony, but we're not going to do that. But I don't care how terrible things may have happened in 2010. It's gone. Hallelujah. And tonight we're going to have times of refreshing, recovering from the effects of heat, recovering from storms that may have occurred in your life and reviving a fresh air by the spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. We're not going to look on the past and let it dictate our future. You know, so many people do that. Bad things happen in their lives and they hang on to that. And they say, well, because of this failure, because I trusted this person and they disappointed me because of this problem that I had, because I didn't reach this goal over here or because I got laid off, then they shrink back in fear. But I want to declare to you tonight, we're not going to let things that happened in our past hold us from stepping in to our bright future because God's got good things in store. God's got good things in mind. I don't care how bad the world may look and it may get worse. I'm not a prophet of doom and gloom. I don't know what's going to happen out there, but for the church, hallelujah, for the child of the living God, it's going to be days of glory. It's going to be days of, of heaven on the earth. The darker the world gets, the brighter the church is going to get. He's filling us with his glory. Hallelujah. He's making us the light of the world. So we're going to shine brighter and brighter in this year. There's nothing to fear. God is with us. God is on our side. I saw somebody that's made this statement and I liked it. It said, sadly, there are those who never see the sunlight of tomorrow because they live in the shadow of yesterday. Refuse to live in the shadow of yesterday. 2010 is gone. Good, bad, ugly, whatever it was, it's gone. We're not going to live in the shadow of that, but we're going to bask in the sunlight of his love. And we're going to step into the brightness of this year that he has prepared for us. Amen. If we're going to walk in God's best, we have to let go of the past and reach for the future. I've been studying out this wonderful biblical example, and his name is Joshua. So we're going to look at some scriptures tonight from the book of Joshua. We'll look, we'll begin actually in the beginning of this book, Joshua chapter one, verse one and two. And most of these are going to be out of the King James tonight. Now, you know, the background here, I'm sure Moses was dead and Joshua had been commissioned now. To lead the children of Israel over into the promised land. They'd been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Now they are camped on the river of Jordan's banks. And they're looking over into their promised land. And God shows up and he says some things to Joshua. Let's pick it up here. Verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, 
the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan. If you don't have this underlined in your Bible, underline the word arise and go over. Arise and go over this Jordan. Thou and all this people unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. In the opening of this book that bears Joshua's name, God reminds him of some things. The first thing that he reminds him of is Moses is dead. Joshua had lived in the shadow of this great man of God. He was a remarkable personality. He was a towering giant. He was a leader among leaders. God's not saying anything bad about Moses. Joshua's not saying anything bad about Moses. But what he is saying to him is it's time to let go of the past. You've been in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses has been leading this group all this time. But Joshua, now it's your time. Joshua, now it is time for you to take your place and to step into your destiny. The Spirit of God is saying that to some people in here tonight. Now is your time. It's time for you to quit shrinking back in fear. It's time for you to quit holding back. It's time for you to not be acting on those things that God has dropped into your heart. It's a time to quit looking back and making excuses. Joshua could have looked back and he could have said, Okay, I know Moses is dead. But God, I'm not Joshua. God, I can't do what Joshua did, what Moses did. God, I don't know how to lead these people like Moses did. The key here is God was not asking him to be Moses. God was asking him to be him. God was asking him to walk in the grace and the anointing that was upon his life. That's all he requires of us. And that's what he's requiring of some of you. Destiny is on your threshold. There's an opportunity that's going to come. I say it by the spirit of the living God. There are opportunities that are awaiting many of you sitting here in this auditorium. And you have to be prepared to seize the moment. Joshua had been a good student of Moses. He had prepared his heart and he was ready to step into that place. Some of you are in a time of preparation. You've been in that place this past year, but now it's time for you to take that step and to step into that place that he has prepared for you. He's prepared for you some places to walk in and we got to rise up and walk in them. Amen. So Joshua, God was saying to him, you are now the one that I am going to use. You need to step in to your destiny. Now let's look here at verse two. The phrase that I wanted to see here. He said, arise and go over 
this Jordan. How do we possess our tomorrow? The first thing we've already been talking about, let go of the past. How do we walk in a new day and a new way? We let go of the old. New is something that hasn't happened before. New way is a way that you haven't walked before. So let go of the past. And then he said, arise and go. If Joshua was going to lead, he had to get up and go. He had to do something. You can't lead by setting still. You can't possess by laying in bed and pulling the covers over your head. I liked what one woman said during a a marriage counseling or marriage seminar thing. She made this statement. I want to leave. I want to follow my husband, but it's hard to follow a parked car. (laughs) If the car is in park and the emergency brake is on, you can't follow it. It's not going anywhere. So so Joshua, he had to get out of park and get into gear. And that's what some of you need to do. You've been parked. Now it's time to get out of park and get into gear and get going. Arise and go was God's commission to Joshua. Faith is an act. Stepping out. On the word of God and standing on his promises is what God requires of us. You know, we have to resist the urge to sit still. We have to resist the urge to do nothing. Now, I know that we have just come through Christmas. And I know that there are a lot of couch potatoes in the house. And it is so easy when you're overcharged with food and sugar just to lay on the couch. And I mean, it's like work to move the remote. I want to change this channel. But that doesn't take us anywhere, does it? Nothing times nothing. What does nothing times nothing equal? God can't bless nothing. God blesses something. Do something. Amen. Get involved in the work of God. Get your car in gear. Start putting your hands to use. Amen. Working in the kingdom of God. People say, well, I'm just waiting for God to tell me something big to do. Well, if you haven't done what he told you to do by serving on the usher team or serving in preschool, he's not going to count you faithful for something big. That's just the way it is. I should get a better amen. God can't bless nothing. Joshua had to get up, arise and go forth. How do we arise and possess the land? How do we get to where God wants us to go? We do it the same way that God instructed Joshua to do. So let's look down here at verse 6 and 7 of Joshua 1. <clears throat> it 
Everybody still here? Yeah. <clears throat> Told you we're going to get a good dose of the word and the Holy Ghost. Amen. He said here, be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. The word I want to center in on these passages is strong. This word strong in the Hebrew, I can't say it, I'll spell it, is C-H-A-Z-A-Q. Any Hebrew scholars out there can say that? C-H-A-Z-A-Q. Well, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This particular word, in some form, is used 300 times alone. In the Old Testament. God is looking for his people to be strong and courageous. Only the strong survive. Amen. Some people say that Christianity is a crutch. And Christianity is for the weak. That couldn't be any further from the truth. It takes a strong man or a strong woman to stand up for God. To stand up for what's right. To stand on the word of the living God. Joshua was not a wimp. He was a warrior and God is still exhorting him. Be strong and be courageous. Listen to these words, definitions for strong, to lay hold of, to seize, to get a grip on, not to go flabby or weak. Now that one hit me. That's pretty interesting. To be strong means you don't go flabby or weak. Now I don't want to get on diets and on weight. You know, I know at the beginning of the year, that's not a good thing to talk about. But we all know what happens if you don't use your muscles. What happens to those muscles? You get a little flab under here. Women, we really have to work these arms because if we don't, When you're waving by, this will still be waving by. (laughs) Muscles tend to get flabby. And we won't get into what happens to men's stomachs as they get older. (laughs) This muscle doesn't get worked out laying on the couch. This muscle only gets worked out by doing some sit-ups and some serious crunches. I always think about this and it makes me laugh when I think about this. Because my brother said it years ago. As he began to get a little bit older, he said, man, sis, I'm having furniture problems. My chest has fallen into my drawers. (laughs) Anyway... Being strong is not being weak and not being flabby. Don't be a whiny baby. Rise up. We are in a time of war. Not only is our nation in a natural war, but there is a battle that's going on between light 
and darkness. In case you have not noticed, the kingdom of darkness is getting darker, but the kingdom of God wins. And we are lighter and we are stronger than any darkness that is out there. But it is time for us to get up. Time for us to arise. Time for us to take our stand. Amen. Time for us to take back territory that the devil has stolen. Joshua and the children of Israel had been promised the land over there, but they had to take it. And we got to take what is rightfully ours. Christianity is not about being a whip or being a whiny baby. Babies are cute and sweet and cuddly, but not so much so when they're 70 or 80 years old. We just had our little granddaughter. This seems like a good time to work this in. We just had our little Livy. Granddaughter was with us. Well, her parents were there too, but you know, who cares? She was there. No, I care. But anyway, the day that they came, they came on a Thursday and left on a Tuesday. And the day that they were coming, pastor said to me, well, I'll see you next week. (laughs) He knew the highlight, the spotlight was going to be on little Livy. But I was pretty impressed with her. She is not a whiner. And I don't know where she could have gotten this, but she tells you what she wants. She knows exactly what she wants and tells you. This was so hysterical. One night, I, it was a routine. I was putting her to bed at night. And I, I was just spoiling her, you know. I was, we're not going to let her cry. We're going to lay on Grammy's bed. And we're going to watch Curious George. And we're going to drink milk. And then we're going to turn off the TV. And we're going to pray a little bit. And you're going to go to sleep. So, I mean, some nights we were up there for two hours. <laughs> so, this one night, I had turned off the TV. Okay, Livy, time to go night-night. She's so sweet. She's laying there. And she starts just humming singing, ah, just real sweet life. And I thought it was so cute. I started humming with her. She opened her eyes and looked at me and said, no. (laughs) (laughs) She knows exactly what she wants. And she knew Grammy was running her song. She's got a pretty good pitch and a good tone, obviously. She knew I wasn't on key with her. But the point is this. Even a baby, a strong-willed baby, knows what they want and knows how to get it. Folks, it's time for us to be strong and courageous. Not in the work of the flesh, not the arm of the flesh, not in our own ability, not in our own reasoning. How many many times has that gotten us in trouble? Oh God, I can figure this out. Oh God, I know how to make this happen. No, God said be strong and courageous, but do it in the Lord, in the power of his might, in his ability. Stand on the word of God. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit that we will go forth and possess what he has given to us. Do it in the power of the Holy Ghost. So he says to Joshua, be strong and be 
courageous. I have a question for you. Have you laid hold of God's promises? Do you have a firm grip on what he wants for your life? Are you rooted, grounded, and established in the word of God? Are you willing to steal your will and fight your ground? Are you prepared to be like Shama, the pea picker? Shama the pea picker was one of the children of, of Israel. And the Philistines kept coming down to the lentil patch, the pea patch, and stealing their crops. Shama was just a farmer. But one day he had had it. And he said, you're not getting one more pea out of my patch. So here came the Philistines. Everybody else ran. But Shama took a stand. One day he went from being Shama the pea picker to Shama the superhero. He changed in an instant because he got fed up with being ripped off by the devil. Is anybody in here tonight fed up with being ripped off by the devil? Are you willing to take a stand? So this one day, the Philistines came down and they were stealing peas out of Shama's patch. And all of a sudden, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he took out a sword and he slew all of those Philistines. And they never came back and got another pea. Are you fed up? Are you willing to take a stand? Are you ready to fight the good fight of faith. What's the good fight of faith? A good fight is one that we win. You cannot be defeated. Don't quit. If you go forth in the power and the might and the courage and the strength of almighty God, you will win every single time. How many winners are in the house? Hallelujah. We are winners. We are not losers. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Now God gave Joshua a threefold commission here, a charge. We've already read some of those verses and I'll just tell you what they were. In verse six of Joshua one, he said, be strong and courageous. Why? Because I have promised you this land. So if we're going to possess our possessions, we got to lay hold of the promise. Know what the word of God says. And then he goes on and he tells him the second thing is lay hold of God's pattern. And that's found in verse eight. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. There is a pattern to our life and the pattern to our life is according to what is written. I don't know if any of you in here have ever sung. I haven't. Well, you know, I actually today I whipped up this outfit. What do you think? No, not really. (laughs) But long, long, long ago, 
when I lived on the farm, we had a Singer sewing machine. And we made most of our clothes. I got an A in home ec. Isn't that impressive? Some of you don't even know what home ec is. It was where you actually had to learn how to cook and you had to learn how to sew. And if you were going to sew something, the first thing you had to do was go get a pattern. And if you wanted your garment to turn out right, you had to lay the pattern on the material. You had to pin it on there and you had to cut exactly right. If it had a little notch on this side, you had to cut the matching notch on that side. So when you put the garment together from the pattern, it would turn out looking like the picture. There were many times that my pattern did not match the picture because I would get in a hurry and it would say, line up the little dart under here on the sleeve and I would put it on the top and I couldn't get my arm in the sleeve. It would be upside down. Or, you know, you don't want to take the time to level the hem. So the hem would be crooked. If you didn't do it according to the pattern, it wasn't going to turn out like the picture. Too many people want God's blessing and they want the end result, but they refuse to live according to the pattern. They're trying to come up with shortcuts. They're trying to skip some steps. They're trying to make up their own pattern and then say, oh, well, you know, God's merciful. God's this, God's that. Yes, he is. But if we want the end result and if we want the best that God has for us, live according to the pattern. God laid it out for Joshua. He said, line your life up with this pattern. And then what's going to happen? You're going to have good success. Amen. And then he goes on and he tells them that you're going to prosper there in verse eight too. He says, then you shall make your way prosperous. How many of you want to have a prosperous new year? Well, then listen to what this definition of prosperity here means. You are going to know how to do the right thing. You are going to know how to do the right thing. Certainly prosperity involves us being blessed financially, but this brings a broader spectrum to it. Prosperity, prosperous, is knowing how to do the right thing. If you have insight into the word of God, into the pattern, and every time you come up against an obstacle or every time there is an opportunity in your path and you know how to do the right thing, guess what? You're going to prosper. Knowing how to do the right thing means I'm always in the right place 
at the right time. It means that I am compassed about with the favor of God. It means that I have the mind of Christ and the wisdom of God is formed within me. Knowing how to do the right thing means I am constantly led by the spirit of God. My steps are ordered of the Lord and he leads me in paths of righteousness and he leads me right into the way of divine connections and glorious hookups. The favor of God surrounds me. Hallelujah. I know how to do the right thing and I know when to be in the right place and I know the right people to hook up with. Hallelujah. And God is surrounding me with the right kind of people that will aid and assist me. The right kind of people that will be a blessing to my spiritual growth and my spiritual development. Let's all lift our hands right now and let's declare, I'm always in the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. Now say this, the favor of God goes before me. I'm surrounded with his favor. The blessings of the Lord overtake me. Hallelujah. Now we got to kind of start. Well, no, we don't. 836. That's what time it is in case you want to know. The third thing that God told Joshua is he said, lay hold of God's presence. We're going to spend some time on this one. Lay hold of God's presence. Let's look at verse 9 of Joshua 1. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Joshua esteemed the presence of God. He was there in Exodus chapter 33. Believe it's in verse 15 where Moses declared, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, we're not gone. Joshua was there in that same chapter in Exodus chapter 33 verse 11. It talks about how that Moses had been in the tabernacle. They had been seeking the Lord as a man speaks to his friend. And then Moses returned to the camp. But look at this. But Joshua, his servant, the son of Nun, a young man departed not out of the tabernacle that says to us that Joshua craved the presence of God he knew the value of just waiting there face to face with God and in this account here in Joshua 1 9 what God is promising him is you lay hold of my presence and my presence will lead you into places 
you've never been before. My presence will strengthen you. My presence will infuse you with my character. My presence will infuse you with my ability and my might. We know the value of the word. That's the pattern for our lives. But we cannot discard the presence. We must have the presence of almighty God. We must take time just to wait upon him. If we want to go forth in his ability and in his might. How many of you could use some peace? How many of you could use some joy? Well, the Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is peace. I have yet to spend time just worshiping the Lord, waiting upon him, not talking to him about all my needs and all my concerns, but just worshiping him, just beholding him. I was doing that this afternoon, just laying on my bed and just looking up and just saying, Lord, I just want to behold you. Oh, Lord, I just want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I cannot live without you. I want you to know that I cannot stand in the pulpit without your anointing, without your grace, and without your presence. I have yet to have that time with him and to leave his presence and say, oh, I feel so much worse. What a waste of time. No. There's nothing like face to face, heart to heart, communion with the most high God. Think of it. He is the most high God. He is the creator of heaven and earth. Everything is upheld by him, almighty God. And yet he said, come unto me. Come, let us commune. Come, abide in me and let my word abide in me. Come and worship me. Come and adore me. Come and just talk to me. Think of the privilege. Think of the honor to have a personal relationship with Almighty God. Let's not ill esteem it. Let's not throw it aside. Let's value it face to face. And as Joshua was in the presence of the Lord, he gave them direction for their step on how to possess the land. Are you guys okay? Do you want to hear the rest of this? Okay, we could do part two, but I feel like going on. We could go on, right? Over in Joshua chapter 2. I'll just capsulize it for you. This is where he sent out the two spies to go over to Jericho. They went to Jericho and they ended up being saved by a woman by the name of Rahab. Rahab the harlot. She hid them and they were able to escape. And I find it interesting That Joshua had been part of the group of 12 spies. But of that 12, only two, Joshua and Caleb, brought back a good report. 
So now, as he's going to send out spies into Jericho, he only sent two. I wonder if he had learned that the numbers are not always the best way to go. <laughs> that sometimes it's better to keep two and easier to keep two in agreement and on the same page. Just a thought. Amen. So anyway, here in Joshua chapter 2, like I said, we're not going to read this story. But in verse 24, this is what they said. They came back and they said, the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands. The inhabitants are faint hearted because of us. Word had spread that God was upon the children of Israel and God was delivering their land into their hands. Folks, it says here that the inhabitants of that land were faint hearted. That means they were shaken in their boots. Some of you need to realize that the devil is afraid of you. He, you may not know it, but you've got authority in the name of Jesus. You've got the power of the Holy Ghost. And I don't care if you're an 88-pound grandma. You, the, if you're full of the Word and full of the power of the Holy Ghost, the devil is no match for you. The devil is afraid of you. We don't have to be afraid of him. Amen. So here they come back with this report and they're ready to go. So we see over in Joshua, then chapter three, that they're going to cross the Jordan river. And I'll just capsulize this here in verse three. And they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God and the priest, the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. That spoke to me today too. When you see the ark, what did the ark? represent. The ark represented the presence of almighty God. When you see the ark moving, when you see the presence going, what are you supposed to do? Get up and go after it. Hallelujah. We're going after God's presence. We're going after the glory. We're seeking him with all of our heart, with all of our might in this year. We're going to, I'm declaring it. We're going to have signs, wonders, and miracles. Like we've never seen before because we're going after God's presence. We're going after Pastor taught on the gifts of the spirit. We're earnestly desiring. We're craving God. God is what we're craving. Hallelujah. Let's look on down here in verse four. I'm getting sidetracked, but it's good. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2000 cubics by measure. Do not come near that you may know the way by which you must go and listen to this phrase for you have not passed this way before. That's your word for 2011 for you have not passed this way way before we're entering a new year and we've not passed this way before i don't know everything that's in store for 2011 but i'm telling you right now i'm going after glory how about you 
God is the way maker. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. We have not passed this way before, but he has. He goes before us and he makes the way and he clears out the obstacles. Glory be to God. I found this so interesting. Hallelujah. The word pass there means to go over and to go beyond. <laughs> to go over and to go beyond. We haven't passed this way before, but we're going over and we're going beyond where we've been in the past. Hallelujah. How many of you are reaching? <laughs> Excuse me. Reaching for new heights. Hallelujah. You're not satisfied with the status quo. You're not satisfied with the same old, same old. We're going beyond. We're reaching. We're stretching. Hallelujah. Woo! We haven't passed this way before, but I can guarantee you that God has saved the best for last. We're not going from grungy to grungier. We're going from glory. To glory, to glory, hallelujah. We're going beyond. We're superseding. We're surpassing. We're excelling in every area. Oh, hallelujah. If you've been in a physical battle this past year, then I declare your health is excelling and you're getting stronger than you've ever been in the name of Jesus. Stand up and praise the Lord. Come here. You're passing over. You're getting beyond this test. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. Woo! yourself. You remember how Moses at the Red Sea, the Red Sea parted when he stretched out his rod, but that wasn't how it happened at the Jordan River. And this was not a time of the year when there was a little trickle in a dry creek bed. The Bible tells us that Jordan was overflowing its banks. It was a rushing, mighty water that they could not have crossed over. But the way that this Jordan River parted was different than the Red Sea. Oh, hallelujah. Woo! You ought to read it. You ought to read it. You ought to read it. But what happened? It says that the priest that bear the ark. What's the ark? It's the presence of almighty God. And as soon as the priest's little tippy toe touched the water, it parted. Hallelujah. It parted and it stood up and the ground was dry. 
away and they crossed over. Oh, the revelation in this. Woo! Is this. You got any obstacles? You got any things that came against you this past year? I'm telling you, what's going to get them out of the way? What's going to cause them to part? What's going to cause that sickness and disease to melt off of your body? What's going to cause your finances to be blessed is the presence. Hallelujah. Woo! Follow 